0: Here on another episode of Fantasies from the Bedroom, where we make all of your fantasies come true, I am your host, Jake Weiss, coming to you live from where else but the bedroom here on Wednesday, December 15th at 9.48 at night. It has been such a long hiatus, and I apologize, but boy, oh boy, what a fantasy season we have had. What a pleasure it's been. So much to talk about. Before I get into anything else, I need to be transparent. On Monday, I did. I did, folks. I tested positive for the vid Fully vaccinated, not boosted, suffering the consequences. So you may hear some coughs throughout this, and I apologize. Overall, I'm doing fine. Symptoms aren't too bad. Thanks for asking. But (coughs) there we go. Going to have a few coughs, have a slight cough, but could not let a little thing such as COVID stop me from delivering a regular season, end-of-year pod, playoff preview what a time it's been. What a pleasure it's been. Thank you for keeping the group me live. I apologize. I haven't been keeping up with the pod. Things got away from me. It's just been an absolutely crazy crazy year. So, you know, I am sorry, but so happy to to be back on the pod. And of course, of course am I I'm am I a little more excited for the pod because we made the playoffs? Sure. Sure. Sue me. Sue me. Akka, Weiss, and Co. After, I think, a two-year hiatus from the playoff picture. After a lot of mockery about who we are. And after being two and five. After seven weeks in last place. And everybody talking smack about us still being terrible about that. We win six out of the last seven. Including the final five in a row to not only make the playoffs but come one cup half full loss away from a bye. Here we are in third place. So sure. Does that make my playoff excitement you know and, and the pod excitement a little higher? It does. It does. I'll be honest. And I'm very, very excited uh, to be um to be in the playoffs and to be competing. And as we'll get into it, did it hurt my feelings at all to have to beat David in order to clinch that and while beating David also knock him out of the playoffs? Did it hurt? No. No. Does it make the playoff run a little sweeter? It does. It does. Uh, So we'll just leave it at that, and we will get into it. But what an unbelievable regular season it's been. What we'll do is we'll talk through week 14 Talk about what happened. Then we'll look at the end of the season standings, where it all played out. Do a little bit of a regular season recap just on some of the different storylines and elements. And of course, a little playoff preview. So, very, very excited. And we start at what seemingly was not going to be a very, very close matchup. But turned out to be quite the nail-biter. Gangrene New Deal. Versus Swirlies for the loser. Robbie and Justin versus Kesson Weissman. Robbie and Justin playing for their playoff lives against the one seed. Now, they caught that one seed with no Jonathan Taylor, no Keenan Allen, and no Carson Wentz. So they definitely caught them a little weak, but still the number one team, and that team was getting Kamara back. But after Thursday night, it seemed over. Robbie and Justin with their Minnesota experiment had Dalvin go for 35, Jefferson for 17, Kirk for 15, and Najee Harris for 24. They had like 90 points from four guys, and it seemed over. And then slowly but surely, you know, a good game here, good game there. Knox has a good Sunday night, uh, or it's Sunday afternoon. Valdez-Scantling doesn't do anything, and, and then James Conner goes off. And all of a sudden, Robbie and Justin win by one and a half points, clinging to their playoff lives. But kudos to them on a big win. Uh, And they clinch the playoff seed. Kess and Weissman kind of end the season on a bit of of a cold streak, although their team gets fully healthy for the playoff run. And we'll talk about them later. But holy shit, this team. But this was a really... This was a fun matchup because it seemed over, and then all of a sudden you looked up Monday night, and you're like, if James Conner gets three more points here, this is going to be a meaningless win for Swirlies for the loser, but it'll ruin uh, Robbie and Justin's night, and I'm sure Jay and Brent were watching closely, and that's where we head next because Jay and Brent were playing Jackson and Abe, and I looked at it, and I I think the more that I thought about it, Jackson and Abe sort of had a guaranteed playoff spot because even they lost, but they had so many points, and even had we lost, we would have fallen behind them and David and Henry would have jumped ahead. So Jackson and Abe also with very little play for, playing Brent and Jay, who had a lot to play for. And look, to Brent and Jay's credit, they did their job. They won their matchup. They did start Tyler Higbee, who didn't play. So who knows whether they were actually looking. Maybe they realized they had a a very, very little chance of making it. But they did their job. They won. They get big performances from their quarterbacks and Burrow and Big Ben. And then Devontae Adams and the late-season surging Clyde Edwards-Hilaire showed up. And, you know, this was a team that was a little bitten by injury with DeAndre Swift, but... They had a good team throughout. They went seven and seven. And then Jackson and Abe on the other end, they're also reeling a little bit, and they've never really recovered from the Derrick Henry injury. Antonio Brown suspensions hurting them. So they still have a good core group and the Jamar Chase pick, an obvious keeper for next year. You know, Josh Jacobs and David Montgomery still good. So they have a good enough team, but they get a good, not great performance from kind of the team all around. You never love losing your way into the playoffs, but (coughs) they still make the playoffs. Jay and Brent get the moral victory um, and just a tough season for them. We head into the next matchup, which was the absolute blowout. I think no matter what, Mesh and Rosen had already been eliminated. Brian and Jason, of course, playing, and they got the bye with their win and with their big point total. Um, and this feels like one of those where it felt like more of a statement win in the locker room for Brian and Jason, right? They didn't need to win by that much, they didn't, but they put the absolute beat down. Mesh and Rosen didn't care, and Brian and Jason said, we do. 161 to 99, a true beat down. Nearly everybody on Brian and Jason team goes into double digits, and over, and four people had over 20 points. Just a massive week all around. This is And, and a team, Jason and... Brian, who still had a 22- and 14-point performance on their bench from some skill guys in Renfro and A.J. Green. And this is without Daryl Henderson. So this is a team absolutely primed for the playoffs, really getting some quality. You know, the Debo Samuel turnaround has been unbelievable. Not the turnaround, but just how good he's been and then him coming back from injury. Aaron Jones seems to have found himself last week, which is huge after, you know, kind of a four- or five-week skid. They have the Kittle-Gronk thing. Saquon hitting his stride double digits the last two weeks. So this is another team who, you know, they dealt with the Saquon injury, all these things. They seem primed and ready for a deep playoff run, but they get to take the week off. And Mesh and Rosen, you know, obviously a team with a lot of past success. Champions a couple years ago. And, you know, they... They took the number one overall pick, and they made the Mahomes pick, and he's been good, but I don't know if he's been worthy of the number one. And I think in a lot of ways what burned them was keeping Kelsey at three, who has been good but not the game-breaking tight end that he's been in seasons past, right? Four different weeks under 10 points and almost, you know, few very few weeks above like 15 or 16 which you know you're keeping them in the third round and things like that and it just never really panned out for them (coughs) so you know it's a tough season they were great on the waiver wire as usual but just a a variety of picks that just didn't go their way and you know people will be asking themselves in the offseason was rosen a one-trick pony Can he only handle the normal roster makeup because I'm in another league with Josh and I'm his partner and our team stunk there and that's one with multiple flexes. And so was Rosen only, you know, good at the old model and is he washed now, right? Has the game moved past him kind of like how Dwight Howard, his game didn't work once he went. Once we went to the three point shooting, right? Or that bruising running backs who can't catch the ball not as valuable. Sometimes the game just passes you by. People will be asking this offseason if the game has passed this pair by because in a season where everybody else, you know, navigated, figured out this team, five and nine, the clear worst team in the league. So people will be asking and we shall see. We move on to the next matchup, which Statman and Mitch, again, Playing for their playoff lives against Connor and Pott, who unfortunately did not have a chance, had been eliminated. Statman and Mitch put up a good, not great performance. They overcome a zero from McLaurin and a one point three from their pickup Hilliard and get good performances from Russ. Cook, you know, kind of great performances from Melvin Gordon Lockett, and they pull out a victory over another team that has fallen from grace, Connor and Pott. You know, they have talked a lot of smack in their day. We obviously remember them as the, quote, reigning champs from what feels like six seasons ago now, though they won't let you forget. And, you know, when you look at the team, Chris Godwin had a good season. Hopkins had a seemingly good season, though I guess was hurt for kind of a big portion of the stretch. Eckler was like the, you know, the number two fantasy MVP for most of the season. James Robinson, after week two, had double digit points almost every week though the last few weeks kind of fell off. They made the pickup of the season in Daryl Patterson and then even for a huge portion of the last few weeks AJ Dillon was great. And they had Josh Allen at quarterback who's been solid. So it's one of those questions where you just kind of ask yourself how did they really end up struggling as much as they did? They also end up 5 and 9 at the bottom of the barrel. And realistically, you know, they had a good amount of points Right. Definitely not bottom of the barrel like uh, Mesh and Rosen, who were, you know, other than, you know, the lowest points. But, uh, you know, Pottenkotter actually scored more points than points against. but ended up five and nine. Just a tough, tough season from them. And you feel from them and people are going to be asking what happened to them. You know, things really shaken up in the locker room. Pot moving all over the country. Connor probably spending way too much time on his golf game. Not enough time focused on fantasy. And it shows. And it shows. So they finished the season five and nine. Tough. Morning Woodhead. Moves on into the playoffs. It's good to have Statman and Mitch there. And frankly, I don't know if everybody else was feeling this, but with the extra week, you know, we play the same schedule every year. So whoever you played last week in week 13, or not last week, but the week before this one in week 13, that's the team that prior to this season, you've been playing in the final week of the regular season, potentially competing in the playoffs forever. And let me tell you, it's been us for Statman and Mitch and seemingly in like a 6-7 matchup, or a five-seven matchup, fighting for our playoff lives. So it was actually kind of nice. Ironically enough, of course, we were right next to each other in the standings. And if they won and we lost, or they, you know, they lost and we won, knocking each other out. But good to see them win. Glad to see them in the playoffs, and glad it didn't come at our expense. And then to my favorite matchup of the week, Ako Weiss and Go projected to lose by 28 points to David and Henry. Put an absolute beat down and instead win by 24 points. Just an absolute shellacking. We get great performances almost across the board. We got a, a dud from Darnell Mooney and then nearly everybody else in double digits. Mark Andrews, a monster. Javante Williams, a monster. Justin Herbert continues to be great. Now, David and Henry had two terrible things happen. Lamar got hurt and. It's unclear what happened to Zeke and why they stopped giving him the ball, but they stopped giving him the ball. And then Antonio Gibson got replaced and his backup scored. So, to be fair, there is a very different version of this week where the same roster from David and Henry puts up the monster week. But that's just how the cookie crumbles. And look, in years past, it has been. Uh, statman and Mitch most notably who suffer from the scoring the most points but don't um don't make the playoffs but similar right and I believe David is quite the advocate of this potentially being a result you can win the popular vote but lose the election just like you can score the second most points in the league but miss the playoffs you got to win the way the rules are designed. And I think I've heard David give me that speech before, and now he suffers the negative consequences of it. Unfortunately, again, they had the most points for, the mo- the second most points for, and the most points against. That's always tough. And, you know, they finished 6-8, and eight, and I wouldn't be surprised if you do the math. There's a world where they score the most points each of the next three weeks. And would have beaten everybody in the playoffs. You just don't know. But that's a tough loss. And, you know, I'm very thankful that we found our way into the playoffs. Uh, it was one of those where we were like, oh, we can lose and a lot of things can break our way. And as it turned out, none of those happened. And all the other teams we needed to lose won. Uh, so we needed to win to make the playoffs. Luckily we did, and so we are in the playoffs, and here's where we're at. When you look at the final standing, you got Kess and Weissman in first. Most points for, second most points against a true number one seed for a majority of the season, it feels like. They just kind of established themselves, but they end this season on a two-game losing streak and losing three out of the last five. So they had gone on a four-game win streak to kind of establish themselves in first. Then they lost and then they won two more. So they won six out of seven at one point. But, you know, you don't necessarily love how they ended the season from a locker room perspective, but they really do have such a strong team. And then you get another team that really uh, found itself in the last couple weeks of the season, cup half full with back-to-back 160-point performances to close out the week, to close out the year. And, you know, This is a team won the league last year. Now the number two seed here. They've been here before. They know what they're doing, and they'll be a dangerous team to face in the playoffs. Then you got us, Robbie and Justin, Statman and Mitch, all also at eight and six, but with very much you know, much much lower point totals. These are the teams that it seems like the schedule just broke their way. Then you get Jackson and Abe, who are a wild card. This is a team that halfway through the season looked primed. To kind of run through the rest of the league. But the Derek Henry injury hurts them. The the Antonio Brown suspension hurts them. And we have no idea which version of that team's going to show up in the playoffs. And then we close out Jay and Brent in 7th. David and Henry in 8th. And as we've said, Connor and Pot and Mesh and Rosen in ninth and 10th. So that's your final year standings. And an interesting observation which perhaps is also a partial result of some teams blowing their budget in the last couple weeks who are competitive, but the bottom four teams have more budget than almost all of the top six playoff teams. Robbie and Justin have 22. Look at them. You know, they will probably ask that we can redistribute the budget at the end, right? Share with everybody. And then Kessa Weissman, which often makes sense for the first place team to kind of have a big budget. But, Everybody else and, you know, uh, the machines, David and Henry and Connor and Pot have a much, much bigger waiver budget still left over. So interesting to note if there's any correlation there or, again, if that's just a result of now that teams knew that they were headed to the playoffs, they were spending more of their budget. And that could definitely be the case, skewing these results. So bear with me there. But, you know, Mesh and Rosen dominated number of moves with 12 more moves than everybody else. So... Interestingly enough, probably a lot of either low-budget or no-budget moves there. But, so no real correlation with moves correlating to success, but interesting note about the budget. Um, and one last thing is I looked at, there was a um, draft day projections. After the draft, who did Yahoo think was going to win? And it had Jason and Brian in first, Mianako in second, Kess and Weissman in fourth, And then Statman and Mitch in third. So all four of the top teams ended up being playoff teams. Two of them, you know, they they projected the top three in there. They missed on both Robbie and Justin and Jackson and Abe were 9 and 10. But it just goes to show how those draft day projections so much can change. And then there is a power rankings, which projects out points for the remainder of the season. And not great for us but Evan and I are projected the least amount of points for the remainder of the season. So we'll see how that plays out. But very interesting, you have Jason and Brian are at the top, then Berman and Hank, and then Kess and Weissman. So not surprising that it has the three highest point total teams with the highest projected points. Not shocking to uh, see that play out. And uh, we now look ahead to the playoffs. Kess and Weissman, Jason and Brian get a bye. And instead, this week we have two matchups Jake and Akko, talked about myself in the third person there, versus Jackson and Abe, and Statman and Mitch versus Robbie and Justin. Over there, uh, you have a matchup of two eight and six teams. Very, very similar seasons from a points perspective. I don't know if either of these teams has the juice to win it all. Not that either of the two of us do. will be very interesting to see how this one plays out. Yahoo has a big lean towards Robbie and Justin. And look, I hate when this happens to my team, but this matchup's coming down to Monday night. Robbie and Justin potentially have Kirk, Jefferson, Cook, and Justin Fields. So both of their quarterbacks and two of their three best offensive players all going on Monday night. So it's one of those where you just don't know. Statman and Mitch could be winning by what seems like a lot and then it could all go away. Or it could be that all those guys have duds and it's just all a matter of timing. Statman and Mitch with potentially the big pickup of the week, which is Rashad Penny, which is super exciting. Ah, uh, so we'll see, you know, always fun to insert a new guy potentially on the last week of the year. So, you know, we're in the playoffs will so be interesting. And then Robbie and Justin pick up Huntley on Baltimore. So if Lamar's out, so a lot of late additions. And, you know, this is where, like, the draft is so tough, right? Robbie and Justin will be benching Kyle Pitts for Mike Gusecki, which I'm sure they've done before. And it just goes to show you never know with the draft how things are going to go. But what's interesting about Robbie and Justin this week and for the rest of the playoffs is they obviously they did two interesting things in the draft. Number one is I believe that they were the latest team to select a quarterback. And Kirk has honestly been pretty good, but they have been struggling all season at meaningfully filling that second slot. They've had Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. It's never really been great, and that's been a struggle. And then they also, they did the strategy of they went all in on the Vikings. The logic being Dalvin's great, Jefferson's great, Cook Kirk is pretty good, so why not go with them? And for the most part, it's worked. Jefferson has double-digit points in all but one week and a couple massive weeks. Dalvin, although he's been in and out with injury on weeks that he's played, has two weeks below double digits. And Kirk, especially for where they drafted him, has been totally solid. You know, a couple low pointers, but really, you know, averaging probably around 18 to 20 points a week, which is really all you can ask for, especially where they drafted. So the strategy clearly worked enough in the regular season to send them on to the playoffs, but will be interesting to see how it pans out. Statman and Mitch, you know, this is actually awesome because Statman and Mitch actually did the exact opposite. Statman and Mitch went Kyler and Wilson 1-2. So you have the team on the right who drafted quarterbacks last of anybody and the team on the left who drafted quarterbacks first of anybody. So it'll be very interesting to see how it pans out. Obviously, Statman and Mitch you know, have been dealing with the Murray and Wilson injuries, but they have both of them fully healthy and seemingly kind of at full tilt for the playoff matchup. So can they can they deliver? And ironically enough, with the addition of Rashad Penny... Statman and Mitch are now going toe-to-toe because they have Russ, Lockett, and Penny. So now you have two teams doing the quarterback-receiver-running-back combo. This is amazing. This is awesome. The storylines run deep here. And at the end of the day, as much as I, I didn't love the strategy of going all in on the Vikings, and now as much as Statman and Mitch are doing it, those guys are awesome. Feels like the Vikings are clicking on all cylinders. Najee Harris proving me wrong about picking rookie running backs. CD Lamb, I think, is going to have a big week in Dallas against the Giants. That team can't play defense. It does come, you know, it would be very interesting to see if they can put together some second quarterback play with either Fields or Huntley. But I think Robbie and Justin get the victory and headed to round two to take on Weissman and Kess. That is my prediction there heading into the other matchup as we have been for seemingly every week this season we are projected to lose um but we will battle on see what we can do and uh you know Jackson and Abe Aaron Rodgers questionable we'll see what happens DJ Moore questionable see what happens they're all expected to play but you love kind of going up against a banged up team and we'll see Od- Odell gets covid not great for the locker room um you know, we shall see. I think probably they have the better team. You know, we have been just starting a a wild group of guys in this on this team. We have been going our lineup, if Eli Mitchell is healthy and we potentially play him over Dante Foreman, there's a chance that our lineup features four rookie running backs in Javante Williams, Ramondre Stevenson, Chuba Hubbard, and Eli Mitchell a second-year wide receiver in Van Jefferson, and a second-year quarterback in Herbert. I mean, we have been consistently the youngest team. We've been starting Darnell Mooney, another second-year guy, for a ton of the season. It has been a wild run, and I can't stop now. I, I do think Jackson they probably are the better team and are more likely to win, but our team has some magic. We feel confident, and I think we're going to win. And then we're going to run into an absolute buzzsaw. Yeah. <laughs> in Jason and Brian, and we're going to lose. I think, I know it's cliche, but I think it's easily going to be Jason and Brian versus Keston Weissman in the finals. And as much as I think Jason and Brian have, have clearly figured out a formula and have something good and I wouldn't want to play them, Keston Weissman, when fully healthy, I mean, their four running backs are Jonathan Taylor, James Conner, Joe Mixon, and Alvin Kamara. And then their wide receivers are Tyree Kill and Keenan Allen. They have Dawson Knox at tight end. Now their quarterbacks are Winston Carr. And those guys could each put up dud weeks. And that could be the end of them. But that is just an impossible team to beat. And it's an impossible team to bet against. So they've been the first place team for a while. They've seemingly been the best team. It has been a long time since the lockout-cockout days that I have uh, seen a Keston Weissman team this good finishing in first place. I project them to be our winner, Um, and I project Jason and Brian to come in second, and I think that we'll duke it out with Robbie and Justin for third place to get our money back, and uh, I think we'll pull that off, and you heard it here, a third place finish, so that's our playoff preview, I'm going to save fantasy MVPs and all that for the end of the season, Right? Because you want to take that in. I will say, I would say, from a regular season MVP, it, I'm going to do the regular season MVP. From a regular season MVP perspective, you know it's interesting because you think to yourself, the regular season MVP should somewhat be a guy on a top team. But ironically enough, if I had to think of, I have three regular season MVPs, and two of them are on teams that did not finish that high right the number one obvious one from that perspective is, is or the number one obvious perspective fantasy mvp who did finish high is Jonathan Taylor right 290 points at running back that's nearly that's over 40 ahead of the second running back and nearly 80 ahead of the third running back just an absolute dominant performance clearly the best running back to have on your team and he is on the best team but the next two, I would say, are Cooper Cup, who in a similar manner, right, has what looks like 60 more than the second wide receiver, right, in Justin Jefferson. So, I mean, that is just a massive difference, right? And you think about the difference, the and Taylor in our league was a keeper, so he really had incredible value. So he really is the MVP. Cooper Cup, though, you know, drafted a little later, right, I think probably around the fifth round. So absolutely awesome. And look. David and Henry only didn't finish high because points against. They had such high points, and that's in part thanks to Cooper Cup. And then the guy who I would put third, though the more I look at it, the the further down in the overall points list was Cordero Patterson. And the reason I have him high is because there's something about being a pickup and then scoring that much that is special. I would say that you know he really has been. And then the other two who fit that description as well, James Conner and then Leonard Fournette. Right. Though James Conner being a guy who you picked up, Leonard Fournette being a guy you just drafted so late. These are the various, I think, fantasy MVPs. You have a lot of other guys who kind of finished high who you might expect. The Ecklers, the Joe Mixons, the Justin Jeffersons. And then a lot of quarterbacks up there. Um, again, the disappointment being Mahomes going fifth overall, uh fifth at quarterback. One, two, three, four. Yeah, the fifth quarterback. You know, that's tough given where he was picked. So just a very interesting fantasy season. Obviously so interesting to see how it all played out. Navigating the two-quarterback league and two-quarterback strategy, I would deem it an absolute success. And we had, in the final two weeks, with two weeks to go, everybody was in playoff contention. And heading into the last week, you had eight teams in playoff contention. And anyone between like the two-seed and the six-seed could have been in any of those spots it really was amazing and i think that that's exactly what we're looking for it introduced a lot more intrigue we will of course discuss and look into any other rule changes heading into next year but i think we rejuvenated the league a little bit brought in some new intrigue it's been an absolutely phenomenal season we got a great playoffs ahead i miss you all i wish you all the best have a you know a happy holidays you know, I don't know whether I'll be back for a weekly or we'll just do one before and/or after the championship. Who knows? A lot of things will depend. But for now, as always, it's a pleasure to host the pod. You know, let me know if there's anything you want to talk about. It just, you know, I miss you all. Hope you're all doing well and best of luck to everyone in the playoffs. This has been fantasies from the bedroom. I've been your host, Jake Weiss. Signing off.